Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Sexplanations with Dr. Doe. Episode 49 of the Sexplanations podcast. We are getting so close to a year of this podcast. June 10th marks our anniversary. And as we come closer to this first round of it, I am thinking about the last year and what I've learned and this episode on Comstock Law, which marks what we did four years ago on Valentine's Day to kind of look at how sexuality and Valentine's have a not-so-pretty history. And I'm talking to you without a guest because that's just how it's working today. You and me, we're having a conversation. I want to, again, revisit what this year has been like and talk about my thoughts on the podcast and Comstock Law um, first, a shout out to the Patreon supporters, our bosses on Sexplanations podcast, Patreon page, patreon.com slash podcast. if you want to go there and be like them and support sex education's accessibility so that it can be free for everyone else. Donna Flint, Paul Nixon, Ben Trammell, I think I'm saying your name correctly, and the Millers. Thank you all for supporting me. Okay, so on behalf of all of you, all of you, everyone listening, I am looking at Sexplanation's uh, YouTube page here. I have this episode pulled up called Confiscating Your Valentines about this man, Anthony Comstock, and how he is what I would consider an evil baby. If you don't know the history of the evil baby, let me explain it to you. Basically, the vlog brothers, Hank and John Green, were either asked or asked each other if you could go back in time and prevent Hitler from doing what you did. Would you kill Hitler, right? And they came up with this third option. So instead of kill Hitler or let Hitler kill all of these other people, their third option was put him in an orphanage or uh, a nursery where he and his evil ways could be constrained. He, he would be kept away from the ability to harm. And so this company called Weird Games made a card game called Evil Baby Orphanage where a bunch of different leaders, historical figures, et cetera, who have done evil based on society's current measures would have these cards of them as babies. And then all of the players in the game would play, uh, I think they're called time nannies. And you go back in time and you collect your evil babies and you really, really want to get the most evil ones because that's the greatest number of points. And then you have to subdue them throughout the game to just like keep them from not hurting each other or themselves. Or, um, and I've always wanted to do an expansion pack of this game and put Anthony Comstock in it because I, I truly believe he is an evil baby. Um, if you don't know, we're going to go through the video now, and I will remind everyone, including myself, about Anthony Comstock's evil ways and maybe talk about what's going on currently in our sexual health environment because I don't do that very often and because I don't have a guest and we're going to kind of go with whatever is happening today in my brain. Maybe it'll come up. Maybe I'll address the mess on YouTube. Maybe I'll address the mess in politics. Maybe. We'll see. Here we go. Ready, play. <clears throat> 
I'm a sexologist now and I enjoy my work, but if you asked seven-year-old me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would have said a UPS driver. I love mail. Delivering seems like a dream job. This week I got to kindle my seven-year-old self, sending all sorts of mail around the world. Like these. Little clay clits. I put them in addressed padded envelopes and took them to the post office where I was then handed a stack of customs declaration forms to fill out for their international travel. The form asked what's inside. What's in it? What's in it? I did want to write clit but I went with art instead. It would be sad if a custodian of the mail read clit and then went and opened the package to find out what was inside, slowing down your delivery. Things like this happen. I'm gonna call it screening or censoring, and it's usually done for social well-being, like safety, legality. Sometimes it's done for morality. Take, for example, the 25,000 Valentines that were refused by the Chicago Post Office in the late 1800s on the grounds that they were too passionate to be delivered. Okay, a couple things here. Uh, I've paused it at 57 seconds because already I have a bunch of thoughts. One, I would really love to see those Valentines. If anyone knows where in a collection they might have them, so I can, you know, understand what passion looked like then, that would be great. Also, I'm super fascinated by my teeth and what they looked like then, and that shirt that I was wearing, I don't have anymore, but it looks really comfortable. (laughs) Those are my thoughts so far. Let's get back to Anthony. Now, this was over 100 years ago, but the messages of sexual shame and modesty have lingered up until today. This is why even sexologist Dr. Doe writes art instead of clit. Oh, yeah. Okay. So if you go to dftba.com, or if you did, um, we don't have these available anymore. There are an item called Gift of Pleasure, and it's a small clit, uh, just the he- the glands and the foreskin, which I made out of Fimo. And I would swirl it around in my fingers and press really hard and mixed in some glow-in-the-dark coloring and then put them in the oven and would package them up all cute. And these I would send out to people either who purchased them from dftba.com, which is a website where we sell our merch, Sex Nations merch, or I would send them to people who pledged our sexplanauts on patreon.com slash sexplanations, the YouTube show. And when I'm referring to them in this video, I even say clit art. And so when I have to send them internationally, there's a customs form that you fill out and it says, okay, what is the description of the item that you're sending and the weight and the value, et cetera. And I remember filling them out and putting art instead of clit because one, I didn't want anything to be confiscated or complicated or anything. I just wanted people to get their packages. And so it's that same kind of relationship to the post office that existed a hundred years ago where there, I have to do some sort of screening to protect you, but they were doing screening to, I don't know, they thought they were protecting you probably. Anthony thought he was protecting you, but he wasn't. He was limiting your access to contraceptive information and sex, sexual health information. Let's keep going here. One of the highest spikes in sexual censorship history was the act for suppression of trade in and circulation of obscene literature and articles for immoral use. I know it sounds like shorten name. Comstock laws. The year was 1873. Anthony Comstock, for whom the laws were named, was living in New York. I don't think this has anything to do with the villain in Bioshock, so let's continue. It's the latter part of the 19th century, a time period known as the Gilded Age, referring to its big city problems covered in a 
thin layer of golden excitement. The problems were that there were more people than there were systems to manage them. Electricity had become a part of daily living, and oil and steel were now economic powers. There were great waves of immigration and industry, but nothing in place to stabilize this wobbly growth spurt. So much chaos going on, waste and pollution in the streets, rampant illness, poverty, corruption, cops being bribed with big money to turn their eyes from the flourishing life of vice, mainly sex. Anthony's intention was to eradicate this vice. Cursing, gambling, non-procreative sex. Note, Anthony was not a gray 69 when he started the crusade against obscenity. He began in his 20s with the New York Society for the Suppression of Vice, an organization aimed at regulating public morality. The society is known to have supervised newsstands and bookstores. They held up markets where lascivious information could reach the public. They attacked, they seized, they raided. They did whatever they could to rid the city of indecency, including a congressional push for purity. In 1873, Anthony's lobbying efforts for anti-pornography legislation passed. This became the Comstock Laws. Anthony was appointed special agent of the U.S. Postal Service, where he was given the right to enforce his laws to govern the mail with a gun. Here's a man who's going into brothels and bathhouses, dragging people into the street to be arrested. Why would he go after the Postal Service? Because the Postal Service is a federal office, meaning he's not just suppressing vice in New York, he's suppressing vice nationwide. And he did. Tony could open any envelope or package. He could read the contents, he could destroy them, and he could arrest the sender or the recipient. <laughs> I'm already so sad. <sighs> And sad for our current state of things. Okay, let's keep going. He confiscated 15 tons of books, 284,000 printing plates, and 4 million pictures. This doesn't even include all the letters, brochures, medical journals, and contraception he took. According to Tony and his comrades, smut needed to stay out of the mail. This to them meant your valentines, your pornography, your contraception, your information about sexually transmitted infections, and your medical textbooks. Oh, you're a med student waiting for your book to come in the mail so you can learn about the human parts that you're supposed to cut and mend? No. You want to send a patient information about syphilis? Nope. <laughs> oh my goodness. So if you go back and watch this, uh, it's very cute. Nick Jenkins, who was doing the videography and editing at the time, he has an image of Anthony Comstock in uh, black and white from when he was almost 70 years old. And so it's this kind of rotund, white-haired, bearded man. And he makes it so that Anthony's two-dimensional face turns into like a marionette mouth and it drops up and down every time it's actually Nick Jenkins' voice pretending to be Anthony Comstock. So when I say, hey, can I send this IUD in the mail? Or they didn't have IUDs then. Can I, can I send this brochure about uh, menstrual cycles and watching ovulation or um, condoms or abortion, etc.? Probably, definitely not abortion. wasn't going, Nothing. No, none of this was going to happen. Um, this little caricature of Anthony Comstock's mouth moves up and down. And Good job, Nick Jenkins. That was great. Thank you for lightening the mood. How about ways to protect himself? No. What about this brochure? Have him birth control for a patient who is on her 14th pregnancy. Confiscated. But I can get my porn, right? <laughs> Some of you will think that Anthony Comstock is a hero. I'm guessing that more of you think he's an evil baby. Officially? It's all unconstitutional. While the Comstock laws ran for nearly 100 years, they were repealed in 1965 by the U.S. Supreme Court and people like me who believe that this is not dangerous or immoral. Stay curious. 
Oh, okay. So on the screen, which you can't hear in the podcast, we have in text that technically they weren't repealed. They were disregarded. And then I hold up the clit art, um, which is not a complete clitoris. It's just the head and the hood. And I say that it is not dangerous and then tell you to stay curious. Isn't that lovely? Here's the old outro music. This video in no way is meant to attack or demean the USPS or any other mail services. I was treated very professionally while organizing my sexual shipments, including the 200 condoms I sent to my friend in Germany. Yeah, so things have changed. That is true. I am able to send condoms in the mail. I'm able to send, uh, let's see, what else have I sent? I have sent a ton of speculums, blowjob care packages, art of me semi-naked. Um, I have sent little birth control necklaces with an IUD on a metal chain, uh, condoms for sure. So all of that, yeah, more and more and more, always the condoms go into the mail. I've sent that material and I've disclosed on different customs forms what are in each package without any problems. But I wouldn't say that we are in a society that has accomplished sex positivity. There is so much suffering that is happening. Yes, not just sexually, but definitely in the sex world. And the the thing that's coming up most recently for us that you may or may not know about is that channels on YouTube, which have LGBT content or sexuality content like Sexplanations, have been demonetized, which means that they, we, make either no revenue from advertisements playing before the videos. The advertising happens, but it's very limited. So there's either poor advertising, so it's, it's there's nothing that um, creates a revenue that would support a channel, or things are age-restricted so that anyone under 18 can't access them, or they're flagged and, and completely pulled off of the platform. And so already it makes it very difficult for the LGBT sex community to be on YouTube as creators. Right? There's no way for that to be in and of itself a financial form of sustainability. Okay, so that's problem one. But now um, there is a whole new layer to it. And it came to my attention this week, but it's been going on for a while. There is a video I watched yesterday uh, I wish I could see on my computer who did it. Very, very talented spokesperson. Awesome channel. Um, I'll try and look it up here. But he, I believe his pronoun is he. And his video was from 2017. So this has been going on for a while. And here's what I'm referring to. Now, advertisers, while they can choose not to put their pre-world content before a video whose topic is related to LGBT or sex, can also choose to do that. They can say, oh, we specifically want to reach LGBT groups. And the, the advertisers who are doing this in a problematic way are anti-LGBT. So they're creating homophobic commercials that talk about how um, homosexuality is a choice and a sin, and it's the Christian responsibility to to call these things out and shame people for what they're doing and 
um, discriminate. And um, they're choosing to put these specifically in front of LGBT content, which if you follow Hank Green at all or the the nerd Viteria Vlogbrothers world, Hank did a vlog on his personal channel, Hank's channel, discussing this. And he brings up that there are a couple reasons why a person might do this. An advertiser might specifically target the group that they're opposed to. And whatever those reasons are, the outcome is terrible because people are often going to videos by Ash Hardell, Chase Ross, Stevie Bobby, etc., because they're feeling vulnerable and they want a space that's safe for them to experience their community and be who they are, to deliberate their identity and um, remove isolation. And so when they go to those videos and an advertisement plays beforehand that talks about how shitty they are, YouTube is facilitating those advertisers doing harm to our communities. So, Hank, um, I applaud for, you know, calling that out and saying that the same right advertisers have to choose what content they do or don't support. Creators um, should be given the same right you know, access to an algorithm that can say, we do want to work with these advertisers and we don't want to work with these, essentially fix it. So hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, changes have been made, Um, you know, but our podcast turned around in a couple days. And so it's possible that they're still lingering and you'll see the mess online. You can certainly watch videos about it. People are, are enraged because harm is being done. It is. It's absolutely, you know, like there is a perspective that, great, let's take the money from people who hate us and we'll just keep taking their money. But one, the money that goes to those creators is so low. It's like pennies. For me, it's, I think it's one 250th of a penny per view, something very, very minuscule. So they're not making money off of those in any sort of helpful way. And two, it is doing so much more harm than that, that idea of like, oh yeah, let's take the money from, from those who are harming us. No, no, I don't, I don't want that money. I don't want the money from people who are telling my audience members that they somehow have chosen the wrong identity. Like, (laughs) leave people alone. Oh, so a lot of things are going on, that being one of them. And um, I've said this on Twitter, though not on the larger platforms I use like YouTube. So I, I will say it here that I don't often talk about politics. I've made that decision from the beginning to not really get into current event pieces because I, I think that as time passes, things shift and we get um, more information and um it's just a really messy thing to go into, though I felt really responsible. Hey, I have this platform and bad shit is happening and I, I can do something about it. So anyway, on Twitter, I said, in case people were wondering about my lack of mention on the political things that are going on, I, and then I outlined where I think people can read into my politics, right? I support comprehensive sex education. 
and currently our big high up policymakers, I will call Donald, have said that they want abstinence only sex education. At least that's what I'm gathering. And to me, abstinence is not a form of sex education at all. It is abstinence. So that's not sex education. Can I quote myself here? Let's go to Twitter. I said something smart on Twitter, and I will read it to you. If you're not following me on Twitter, my handle is my initials, LTD, but all spelled out. So E-L-L-E-T-E-E-D-E-E. And I said, abstinence-only education is not education at all. Telling someone to stay out of the pool isn't a swimming lesson. So that's one of the stances I took in the the piece about politics. And then the other thing I said is that I support people's right to access the tools they need to either avoid pregnancy and avoid staying pregnant. And that I support people who support those rights and left it at that. I did did want to go much further on my tweet to say who I don't support and why and lash out at them. But in, you know, seeking the advice of others, try to keep it on the nice side of the street. So politically, where I'm at with things is like most of our culture. And um, that's super sad. I, I don't like how groups are being treated from, you know, the beginning of this presidential run where People who um, have gone through gender transition at some point in their lives weren't able to serve in the military. And then we go into defunding Planned Parenthood and the problems with abstinence and really the greater problem, which is denying people information about human sexuality, their bodies, how to take care of them, what's going on. Um, I think recently what came up is that Donald didn't know the difference between HPV and HIV, which that part of it doesn't bother me. There are a lot of acronyms and initialisms out there. There's a lot to know. Being a president is a huge responsibility. But what isn't cool is that he doesn't know the difference between those and also wants to limit people's access to learning the difference for themselves. The difference between HPV and HIV is also a really big deal. And so, like, great, if if he or past presidents don't know how to spell broccoli or what, like, there are things that are annoying. Um, but the problem here is that other people and he need to know what those things are if they can learn them. So, like, ha- what I'm trying to say is him having a sense of humility about it to say, I don't know the difference. What is the difference? Oh, my gosh, that's a really big deal to know. HPV usually doesn't kill people. It can lead to cervical cancer, which is fatal. It can be fatal. Um, But mostly it's a virus that goes into the system and in 90% of cases can clear within two to three years on its own. HIV, on the other hand, is a virus that sticks around with people. It um, is not cured by the body. It isn't eradicated. It is transmittable via intercourse and injection drug use, the exchange of blood and breast milk, and is a a pandemic. So here are the ways to protect yourselves, and here's what we need to know about those so that we can address these big, huge health issues. Oh, God. 
That would have been so great. Um, but we don't get that. And we get lots of other horrible things. I don't know if all of you know this, but I consider myself an environmentalist. And a lot of Sexplanation's content is really driven to protect the environment. So while it has this lovely outward topic of sex, which is hopefully entertaining and educational, the deeper message there is let's take care of the planet. So if I can have people enjoying sex for pleasure or knowing how to protect themselves from having children that they don't actually want or, you know, making healthier decisions so that the other species on the planet are taken care of, great. That is awesome. And so when I hear that things in politics aren't environmentally good as well, it's heartbreaking. So now you know. Now you know I'm pretty heartbroken about politics, and I feel similarly when I think about where we were 100 years ago with Comstock trying to pull things out of the mail and threatening people with their lives because they wanted access to how to prevent pregnancy or, you know, even prevent the transmission of diseases. And he considered that smut and wouldn't permit it as a 20 as a something year old. What is, what is the deal with the self-righteousness? I'm not sure. So lots of pain on a positive note. As we get closer to our anniversary, I'm working on all sorts of projects to make it better. So we have a Sexplanations tank top now, and it has the same rainbow Stay Curious written in my handwriting, um, but it's on a black tank top, and it's super cute. I like it a lot. It's very gender neutral. It makes everybody look so, so sexy if that's the way you want to go. And... I haven't decided this for sure because I'm part of a Sexplanations team. I am not the only person, but I would love for that to, um, what is the language around it? Have all the profits go to LGBT creators or organizations for the first month, June, which we're marking as pride. So watch for that on DFTVA.com because I'm going to have it up and I would love to sell it to you and... You can wear it at your pride parade and you can wear it all all the time. If it's wintertime, put a sweatshirt over it or a long sleeve shirt under it. Just it's your new shirt all the time. And let's see, what else are we doing? We opened up a bank account so that people can send checks in the mail. I think checks and not direct deposits because a lot of viewers of Sexplanations podcast and Sexplanations YouTube channel have said that they want a way to support the channel without needing a PayPal account or having transactions online. And I I think that's so incredibly generous. So we're making it easier for people to do that. Same goes with now we have a direct PayPal link on our website, sexplanations.com. And there's, um, let's see, I think there's some other merch that's coming out. I'm recording this on June 4th for a couple days from now. So <laughs> after I finish talking here, I'm going to go back to my house and do as much as I can to just 
load the internet with really cool things to celebrate five years of the YouTube channel and one year of the podcast. So you'll see, but please, yes, look out for it. See what's happening. I think it's going to be amazing. I'm so proud of this community and everything that we have accomplished. And I really, really, really want to keep that momentum going and not feel like, okay, we've done the show and we've done the podcast and I'm tired. Um, I, I would love to take explanations on the road and do a tour. And I, I would love to create all sorts of merch that makes your lives easier, like books for children and books for teenagers and adults so that you have other ways of consuming the information. Oh, and I want to keep making sure that everything is closed captioned and translated. So I think as of now, the Sexplanation's YouTube channel and our almost 300 videos have all been put into English closed captions. So that means not just subtitles where the words I'm saying are on the screen, but also bracketed expressions of what I'm doing or the way that I am saying that goes on the screen. So someone who cannot hear can grasp from that closed caption what all is going on. So is Lindsay being sarcastic? Is she using a passionate voice? Did she just wink at the camera? That kind of stuff is all marked on there, and I'm really proud of that. And maybe that will happen for the podcast as well. I don't know. Working on things all the time. Uh, Yeah. And I would love to have a curriculum written so that, you know, people can just take something solid about human sexuality and apply it in their classrooms if that's what they would like to do, ideally. And I will talk about this in a couple of weeks with my colleague, Dr. Neil Cannon. It would also be really fun to have a school. So there's all that. Um, I'm going to wrap up for today, but just as I said at the beginning of the video on Comstock Laws. I really love mail. I got a letter today from an online friend that I think is 12 pages long, and it's so lovely. I read it when I was getting ready for shooting an episode of Sexplanations about how you don't pee out of your vagina, and it was so fun to read this person's experience of the channel and how they had grown. So if you want to send me letters or postcards, or, you know, your own little clay clit art, P.O. Box 8147, Missoula, Montana, 59807. You can make it out to Sexplanations or Lindsay Doe or Dr. Doe, P.O. Box 8147, Missoula, M-I-S-S-O-U-L-A, Montana, M-O-N-T-N-A, 59807. Before I go, here's me moaning for the kegels and before you get too excited i'm just going to be ridiculous about it there's not my actual orgasmic moans and then i'll give you a homework assignment Mm. 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 (laughs) i love how callie is laughing in the background
All right. That's great. I hope you're working your kegels because I have found in my own life such a dramatic impact. I think that I was maybe having, I don't know, four orgasms per session, which is a lot. I I realize that that's not even average. Um, But now it's a a lot more than that. So thank you, Sexplanations Podcast. Happy one-year mark of Lindsay orgasming exponentially more because she clenches her vagina every week. Um, homework assignment. Sextra credit. A little homework so you don't forget it. Here's Dr. Dose's extra credit. You know what I would really love is if people would go back and watch all the Sexplanations episodes and listen to some more podcasts because so much time has been put into writing and researching video recording, sound recording. Callie does a ton of work to cut out my obnoxious pauses and to make this a little cleaner and a little sweeter. And I would love for more people to appreciate that. I have said that anyone who does that, where you have either listened to all of the podcast episodes or you have watched all of the or listened, watched, or listened to the YouTube channel, may call yourselves a sexual scholar. And I hope that that feels enticing, that it attracts you to wanting the comprehensive information that I have put out into the world. Because it took so much work. Please, please utilize it. Don't just go with us from here into the future. Um, please check out what we've made in the past. It's really important to me. And, um, you know, I said a lot of the really cool things at the beginning, too. So check those out. That's your sex credit homework. Um, anything else? If there was a guest here, I would thank them for being here. So thank you all for listening to this Explanations podcast and being part of this special experiment. I did do a poll on Twitter asking if we should continue forth. And the vote was almost completely... Either yes or do what you want. So that's nice. I will keep going <laughs> until I decide if we don't want to do this anymore. Um, okay. Thanks to Callie from Cinema Studios, Complexly, and Count Boogie, and Cora and Parle. I'm still learning. Yeah.